have you heard about the school shooting that happened in Michigan this last week? Very, I have, but I don't know much about it. Like I heard it on the news, but I don't know much more than that. Those things are like pretty. Pretty dime a dozen, unfortunately, and just depressing. So um, I didn't start learning much about it either, but then I kept seeing stories and they just seemed to get more and more strange. So I do have to fill you in on this story. This took place in a city by the name of Oxford in Michigan. It is a high school shooting, a 15 year old. I'm not going to name the name. If you want to see it, you can look it up. I think it kind of gives them celebrity status to kind of name. Yeah, I agree. So I avoid telling that this individual ended up shooting and killing four people. And I believe five are injured, but have so far survived. This story gets very interesting because this is the only case I have ever seen scene where the district attorney is bringing charges against the shooter's parents. Oh, why? So going to charge them with involuntary manslaughter. The story behind this is crazy. So for Black Friday, these parents bought this kid a handgun. Okay, well, okay. Right off the bat. And sorry, this has not been brought before the court. It is not so far tested evidence, but this is the story as I have heard it. It might change in the future with evidence being brought forth by both sides. Yeah. So... Kid gets bought a handgun, 15-year-old. Parents decide they're going to keep it in their nightstand. That doesn't have a lock on it. It just stays in their room. The week after Thanksgiving, he is caught by a teacher searching for where to buy ammo and the best kind of ammo for shooting in the middle of class. So naturally, the teacher is a little freaked out, a little worried about this kid. And Does brings... everyone know about the gun? They don't know about the gun, no. Oh, he's just searching. But I they, mean, that would yeah. be a red flag anywhere in North America, probably. Yeah. Anywhere. So, yeah. Anywhere. Teacher brings this to the principal and the school decides that they're going to inform the parents and say, hey, this is a little concerning about your child doing this in the middle of class. The parents, and they have these text messages, the mom texted her son, you need to be more careful and not get caught searching these things. Basically saying, don't get caught. Not that it was bad that you were looking for ammo. Don't get caught. Yeah. The morning of the shooting, another teacher catches this kid drawing out a massacre of him killing people with guns. Super disturbing. They bring him to the principal's office. They call the parents. The parents have to come in. They say, your kid needs counseling. They show him the picture. He needs to go home today. Parents refuse to take him home, insist he stays at school, and refuse to get him counseling. Later that day, he ends up going on this shooting spree. When the parents hear that there is a school shooting going on, the mom texted the son, don't do it. Not, are you okay? Don't do it. Okay, so this lawsuit makes sense. Not lawsuit, but... Char- the charge. charges against now the seems to make yeah. sense to this. I was like, what? That sounds so crazy that you would charge parents for somebody mm-hmm. like their kids actions, but they seem to have had a hand in it as well. So anyways, when they announced these charges, the parents ran. They were finally found uh, a couple days later. They were hiding in a warehouse in Detroit. They had taken $4,000 out just before they heard that they were going to get charged. And they headed to Detroit. There was $10,000 bounties, basically, if you had information on them, to turn that over to the police so we could find them. And they discovered the car in this parking lot. It was very close to the Canadian border. And although not really specifically talked about, I'm pretty sure they're trying to make it to Canada. 
Probably. They did have a lawyer in this entire thing, and the lawyer specifically was told, or at least said, that they were not fleeing for any reason. They were not, in fact, fleeing, and they would come back, but yeah, it's just like the most bizarre story. I didn't know about any of this, and I know when I was listening to the news, they said that a bunch of kids didn't go to school that day because it was well known that that was the probability to happen. It's it, very bizarre these parents and that's such a sad thing that has is a thing uh, prominently in the United States for some reason. These parents, do you remember hearing that missing girl that Gabby, Gabby, I think it was Petuto. Is that and the they, two people that left on that vacation and then they came back and it was just... It was just, just the uh, son and then the parents yeah. were covering for the son. Like they wouldn't yeah. say, they weren't giving any information. They were just covering for the son and then the son took off and they wouldn't tell him where they went or anything like that. Like these parents are acting in such a bizarre way. Well, the world's kind of, for lack of a better word, fucked up. At the mm -hmm. moment, it, it gets more fucked up every day. But yeah, I so found this case to? crazy. Yeah, the, that the is mom, crazy. I can't remember where I read it, but she was also a huge fan of Trump's and had written him fan letters thanking him for defending the Second Amendment. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask that, actually, but I didn't know if I wanted to go there. Yeah, and we and, might uh, end up editing that out just because it's not too relevant to the actual case itself. Yeah, I mean, generally when we talk why, politics, we lose one or two people. <laughs> yeah, that's a reason to give your kid a gun, though, right? If you're well, and the weird thing is a handgun. Like, there's no other purpose for a handgun other than shooting people. The kid survived. Yeah, he's been in custody this entire time. Do you know of any? I know that's not what you're focusing on, but do you know of any motive I other than not. his parents got him a gun? Nope. Okay. But yeah, I just found that case so bizarre because that is the first case I've ever heard of parents being charged. And I do think that you need a really high threshold to blame others for somebody's actions. But their inaction in this situation really led to what happened. Yeah, that's sad. Hopefully lessons are learned from this, but who knows? Probably not because they just keep happening. Can I read mine quickly? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. This happened... What day is it? Today is Monday the 6th. This happened December 3rd, and I just have to share it. It's like super quick. Central Alberta residents searching for answers after reports of a loud boom shockwave. Residents of Pinoka and surrounding communities are wondering what made a loud boom sound on Friday. RCMP and Pinoka County Fire Rescue Services confirmed to CTV News Edmonton that they received multiple reports around 5 p.m. saying people heard the noise and felt a shock wave. They say they go out and did their due diligence. They checked with CP Rail to see if there's any derailments. Multiple agencies tried to find a cause or source of these reports. They couldn't find anything. Gas companies told the RCMP no underground monitors indicated anything suspicious occurred. No earthquakes or anything. So all these people just heard like the shockwave and nobody knows what it was. And I actually it. work with somebody from Pinoka, so I might ask him if he's got some inside details on this. Ask him what he was doing during the big shockwave of Friday, December 3rd. He's probably going to say working in Kelowna. <laughs> That's my guess. Ask Although, him for the news on <laughs> if the street. it's different, I will let you know. <laughs> okay, good. Report back, and we'll put it on our update episode. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> but with that, let's get a little Holly. Yeah.
from the unexplained to the candy caned. Come join us on our holly jolly journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, a show that no experts have recommended not intaking, which I think actually makes us one of the very select few things in the world. Yeah. Pretty much everything has some would. sort of danger associated with it. Not us yet. No, none. And we intend to keep you. that this way. Yeah. Yeah. In today's continuation of our exploration of the magical world that is the Santa and Christmas mythos, we are going to take a look at Santa's little helper. Not the dog, but in fact, the entire <laughs> race of magical slaves teaming away in those tiny little festive sweatshops. That took taking a Taking away their uniformed work ethos. And that, of course, being the Christmas elves. Now, there are very many different interpretations of what this creature looks like. The Santa movie with Tim Allen made them look like little children. Um, or Buddy the Elf. Buddy the Elf. But he wasn't really an elf. And yeah, those also were human. like normal humans, just smaller. Yeah. And Bob Hope. Or not yeah. Bob Hope. What's his name? Bob Newhart. Oh, I was going to say, isn't it Bob Hope? Bob Newhart, yep. Yeah to the what are some other interpretations gnomes aren't they like elves that's that's <gasps> elf. a different story elf elf the elf alien elf. yeah <laughs> those are those are the entirety of the mythos that is the hollywood <laughs> tv christmas elves but as we have talked about in many senses of this this idea had to come from somewhere and that of course is something that we've already talked about, and that is the Scandinavian culture, well prior to Christianity's introduction to the area. It's actually funny. I do believe that this is, if you look at it, when we're talking about elves, I'm actually going to be talking about the entire area of Europe that Rome never got to. Oh, really? And although I'm okay. sure there's representations within it. the Roman Empire, uh, this is going to be kind of the borderlines just outside of it which is kind of Viking territory. Yeah, the Vikings really dominated in like the folklore and stuff like that. Yeah, and to be fair, like if you actually look at Viking folklore, like it is some pretty fantastic stories. I haven't really, but they've come up a lot in the Christmas episodes. Yes, well, I have played You're God of festive. War and therefore I am an expert on the stories. Okay. At least somewhat and how to kill these guys. Apparently Vikings are very festive, full of Christmas they are. spirit. And I'm sure we could do many stories on Vikings in the future and how they... Actually, Liggy Erikson is going to come up in this, how he was the first man in uh, theory to reach North America. But without further ado, I think we're going to start talking about elves, where they come from, what they are, and their mythos outside of the Christmas realm. When you look at the Wikipedia page for elves, I absolutely love how the introduction starts. So I do just have to read this sentence right from it. Okay. From a scientific point of view, elves are not considered objectively real. However, elves have in many times and places been believed to be real things. Where enough people have believed in the reality of elves that those beliefs then had real effects in the world. They can be understood as part of people's worldview and social reality. A thing which, like the exchange value of a dollar bill or the sense of pride stirred by a national flag, is real because of people's beliefs rather than any objective reality. 
That's quite nice. I know. I love it. <laughs> Accordingly, beliefs about elves and their social functions have varied over time and space. They're as real as the dollar bill in your pocket, which we yeah. don't have because we're Canadian. <laughs> the loony. And also, money is digital at this point. So it's Pretty even much. less real than elves. <laughs> Especially since we moved to fiat currency. But... Where exactly are they talking about when they're saying that this is as real as money? They are specifically talking about the start of the idea of elves, and that comes from Scandinavian culture, which includes elves in some of its earliest writing. Now, the question of what they actually mean when they're talking about elves becomes kind of murky. But this wasn't just the Scandinavians. This belief would have been spread out into the Germanic tribes, so all the way up from the tip of Norway down to the Danube River of the Germanic tribes, and then spread over onto the British Isles and up into Iceland as well. Interesting. Everywhere that the Vikings could sail to. Even Normandy, I'm sure it didn't come up, but Normandy was ruled by the Vikings for a long time, so it likely had some sort of elf culture. Well, you would think so by default. Yeah. If they were there. Likewise, many of these cultures also have an idea of what's called the hidden folk. This idea of this type of other folk that lives amongst us is spread much further than just Northern Europe. It is all the way to China, all the way down to Argentina. But at this point, mm -hmm. we are just going to focus on the Northern inspirations for Christmas. It's a very cool topic, actually. Yeah. Very Christmassy, but it could very be Christmassy covered. and cosmic. <laughs> very, it could be covered in non-Christmas episodes. <laughs> and we will have to come back to this, just because I, I don't think so too. That. Yeah. So when we're talking about it from a Viking point of view, there appears to be at least some amount of more than one elves. I put it in three groups, but it's likely not quite three groups of things that they would consider elves. Okay. It's hard to explain, but I'm going to try my best to kind of do this. Okay. So the first group is called the Dvergar, which are people who lived in mountains. And we would closely associate to kind of what Tolkien in Lord of the Rings described dwarves to be. Living in mountains, great craftsmen, stout, and very few of them are female. And in fact, the ones written about, none of them are female. But they are alluded to in stories. Okay. Some of these Dvergar were capable of shape-shifting into animals. And four of the Dverger are actually holding up the four corners of the planet. So, they shape-shift? They can shape-shift, yes. Oh my gosh. And the four dwarves, the Dvergar, who are holding up the corners of the globe are north, south, east, and west. Of course, their names are in Norse, but that's what they translate to. There is also the Alpha which can be then split into two categories. But it becomes kind of hard to actually say Dvergar and Alpha are different groups necessarily, just because they're never really talked about enough to say that they're distinct groups. And that's the hard part about saying whether there's two or three different types of uh, elves. Yeah, it comes up again in, in my stuff. Okay. But when we're talking about the alpha, the person that we get a lot of the distinction, because there are two types of alpha, is Snorri. He is a man that lived in medieval Iceland. Iceland continued on to the great Viking sagas. So Snorri talked a lot about elves as well. He broke it into the light or white elves, who are more beautiful than the sun, and the dark or black elves, which are darker than ink and light elves, 
resided in Alfheimer, which is the home of the elves. And the dark elves lived in Svadalfheimer, which is the land of the dark elves. I'm assuming that was pronounced perfectly. I'm going to take one more shot at it because I did learn how to pronounce things in Iceland. And it's just a matter of being able to flow through the word. So Svartalfheimer. Svartalfheimer. That was nice flow. There we go. Of course, the white elves, the light elves were the good elves, the veneer, their god was Freyr, and the ruler of Alfheimer. In terms of hierarchy, light elves were minor gods of nature and fertility. They could help or hinder humans with their knowledge of magical powers, and they also often delivered an inspiration to art or music. However, the dark elves hated the sun and its light and actually lived below the earth. Because the sun's light, if touched or exposed to it, would immediately turn them to stone. Which I immediately associate, interestingly enough, with trolls of folklore Mm -hmm. that come from this area as well. Which makes me question whether or not trolls from stories are actually the Dark Elves. They probably could be. It's not like these wouldn't inspire stories to come as well. Well, and things change as you go as well, especially with not everything being written down and it being a Mm. oral tradition. Things can change fairly easy. Unlike the light elves, the dark elves liked to annoy and threaten humans to the point that nightmares were thought to be produced by dark elves. And dark elves, actually, one of their names were mares. (gasps) M-A-R-E. They still do cause nightmares, though, right? There's a potential, yes. Yeah, I thought that was true. And a mare, if you were having night terrors it was believed that a mare would be sitting on a sleeping person's chest and whispering bad dreams to haunt the person what it's an old cake yeah. it could be an old it's old a nightmare did you just make that connection no i'm just spelling okay. it out for okay. our audience okay. <laughs> these elves could also haunt animals specifically horses which could also be where the term mare as a horse could come from okay they haunt horses what would they have to gain from haunting a horse? Uh, a very boring life. Yeah. <laughs> Horses are kind of lame creatures at the end of the day. Wouldn't it be funner to scare a human? To- I would think there's more interesting creatures out there. Nightmare a human? Maybe a parrot? Maybe a parrot would have something better to say. In Norse mythology, despite the Alphers' ethereal nature, it was possible to marry and have children with them. Oh. A few examples of them being Hogni and Skuld, who are from Norse mythology, and they were half Elfar in Heimskringla, which I believe I am pronouncing incorrectly there, in the saga of Thorstein, where the Viking's son tells a line of local kings who ruled over Alfheim, and since they had elven blood, they were said to be the most beautiful men in the world. And that is part of it, the light elves are the most beautiful beings. So if they reproduce with humans, they create beautiful humans. This is a little bit like Lord of the Rings. J.R.R. Tolkien took a lot of inspiration from Norse mythology to the effect that there is a character in sagas named Gandalf. And the important part being the end where it's A-L-F, which is elf. It means tall Yeah. Elf, like the yeah, alien. And elf, yeah. Because there were light elves in that, wasn't there? Oh, there's elves in that. And I guess you could make a case for orcs being the dark elves. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Okay, so there were humans on Earth that were half elf? 
There could be, yes. And there would be sayings like in stories that this man's mother or father was an elf. And therefore, that's why he radiated such beauty from himself. Oh, okay. Or he was meant to lead. But also, you could attain the rank of elf. So uh, King Olaf Gerstad, elf, the smith hero of Volander, is identified as the ruler of elves in the poem Volendarkvion. No, I said that wrong. Volendarkvitha. Okay, I'm glad who you was the son it, of a the king. other one was... <laughs> we have to make sure we're saying these right. <laughs> who is the son of the king of the Finnar. They are Arctic people respected for their shamanic magic. It wasn't necessarily that it was even something that was a different race, but something you could aspire to be through great feats. So it's kind of hard to say what they are from just looking at mythology. Yeah, I guess so. So that's just talking about Scandinavia and the Vikings. If we go other places as well, in Norway and Sweden, there are Huldra, which are beautiful women, also similar to succubus, that are believed to be elves. In Denmark, there are two common types of elves, the Elvir, the Mist Elf, and the Huldra, just like in Norway and Sweden, which is the succubus. The Mist Elves are also known to enjoy dancing, and if a man or woman falls to their charm, then the men will dance with them until they die from exhaustion, making them a more sinister version of elf. They do like to dance, don't they? Yes. Funny enough, in Scandinavia, in Norse mythology, elves would play roles as the protectors of children, mostly because of their playful demeanor towards them. Exemplifying the characters Anjas, originating in Gotland, Sweden, this elvish being would bring warm and safe winter nights to children if they left a small wooden horse outside of their window the night of the winter solstice. Hmm. Traditions which later would change into the children being rewarded with chocolate treats if they obeyed their parents. And according to German and Danish folklore, the Erlkoning, or the Elf King, appears as an omen of death. So not exactly a great character. Yee. The German Frauen, which is a literally translates to white woman, are elven-like spirits that may have derived from legends of light elves. And again, in German, the term for a nightmare is an Alptraum, which is an elf dream. Hmm. Interesting. More than one reference. Yeah. But all originating kind of from the same tribes. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But still. And then once the Vikings got on their boats and headed over to the British Isles, we get from that English mythology regarding elves, where they were thought of as ambivalent, beautiful beings with magical powers and frequently made appearances in ballads of English and Scottish origins, as well as folktales. Many involve trips to Elfheim or Elfland, a mystical realm which is sometimes an eerie and unpleasant place. And in English folk tales of the early modern period commonly portray elves as small, elusive people with mischievous personalities. They are often portrayed as children with distinctly different facial characteristics and fair hair. They're not evil, but might annoy humans or interfere in their affairs. They are sometimes said to be invisible. In this tradition, elves become similar to the concept of fairies as people from the English countryside immigrated to America. They brought elements of the English folklore with them. And these particular depictions of elves then evolved into the idea of Christmas elves we see in pop culture. The term fairy and elf, specifically when you get into England and the Isles there, are really interchangeable. And it's kind of because there is influence from France and Nordic tribes that both kind of have the idea of something like it in them. And you can use the term interchangeably when we're talking about things with regards to fairies or elves on the islands. Okay. 
which I didn't really realize until I I didn't realize that either. I thought furries are different. Elves do make a lot of appearances in English as it's coming up, although elves could be considered to be beautiful and potentially helpful beings in some sections of English-speaking society throughout its history. Later, Old English folklore also attests to alignments of elves with demons and more sinister behavior, such as harming or killing humans and livestock. Mm. And an example of such elves is on line 112 of Beowulf. I'm not going to quote it directly. It's in Beowulf, the original English novel or saga. The Ilf are gods, enemies, and fiendish monsters of the netherworld. They align themselves with, oh, what is the name? I didn't write it down. The troll that Beowulf fights. Grendel. They align themselves with Grendel and are on the same side. Likewise, elves appear in magical and medical textbooks of the Middle Ages. Medical? uh, as they were believed to be the agents of disease and causing pain in men and beasts. Oh, I guess they would. Yeah. And again, we've talked about this a few times, I think, at this point. The idea of being elf shot, a magical ailment that you shouldn't treat nor eat the meat or the flesh of a creature that has been elf shot comes from the idea of elves themselves and them being tricksters and having otherworldish plans. Apparently, when you would find ancient arrowheads in the uk back in the day because you could find them pretty much any time after they were created they were believed to be shot by elves okay where did they actually come from they would have been from hunter gathering tribes back in the day Mm. like thousands of years earlier or elves we don't know for sure because yeah i guess so i'd go with elves i prefer elves actually they're so whimsical well except they seem to be either really good or really evil they sure probably from the evil ones yeah and they're all over the map depending on which ones you're interacting with sometimes they want to make a baby with you sometimes they want you to come back so that you can deliver their baby sometimes they want you to act as their wet nurse which is strange Sometimes I saw one and my research as well as wanting help to deliver a baby as well. Yeah, that's that's a theme that kind of spreads throughout this area is I'm torn on whether or not we talk about it. We can, but I think like food and supernatural creatures will be in this episode itself. So I was mm-hmm. gonna skip it. But I think I can give you the short nitty gritty just so that we can make sure you're safe. If you're taken to another land, never take food offered to you from strange beings. If you're in your own land and you are offered food, accept it, but you don't have to eat it. (laughs) But you should just be polite. Unless you think it's poisoned. It probably won't be poisoned if it's another (laughs) worldly creature. Or if it's Halloween, just take it. Because it's probably candy. And if it's laced with drugs, drugs are expensive. Thank the kind human. (laughs) They probably want money for it. Yeah, at this point, I can talk about this because you're going to talk about it soon. But it's within the UK, there's a few things that are special about elves, specifically that they do kind of associate themselves as fairies and they live in trees. In England, they live in fairy oak trees. And in Ireland, they live in hawthorn trees. You are not to disturb these trees lest they bring their ire on you. Some farmers who sawed branches off a fairy oak near London in the 1600s had their limbs by the oak's irate fairy. Doesn't bear thinking what they might do when they find not just a branch, but their whole tree in your living room. What? Basically, if you disturb their tree, they will you will face consequences for it. So a small amount of tree brings less punishment than destroying their entire tree. 
And in fact, in Ireland, farmers will build fences around hawthorn trees so that nobody goes near them because that's where the fairies live. Yeah, that would make and a good horror movie. Fairies also in the British Isles have a preponderance to leave changelings, which is mm -hmm. fairies and elves are likely to kidnap children and replace them with supernatural beings that look exactly like them, but do not act the same. And it's not just children. In 1894, in Tipperary, a 26-year-old wife was replaced by a fairy changeling. Oh, I've heard this one. Yes, it's at least famous. it's claimed by the husband. Yeah, he was adamant. Yep. <laughs> and then I did have a section on fairy foodstuffs, but I do want to leave that for a different time. That would be a good one. I also just jogged my memory and I didn't realize that I knew so much stuff actually now that you're talking about about elves, but there's a large amount of stories out there of kids or people going missing around elf mounds or going being like led into the elf realm with food. And I just did a quick Google search thinking I could quickly pull that up, but it turned out there's a lot of it. So yeah. we need to sift and do I, I do think we can do an entire episode on yeah. just food and supernatural beings like that. Yeah, that would be a good A one. lot of the stories that we have about elves, unfortunately, come from a time where Christianity is the one writing the stories, not the groups that actually believe in the elves in their original state. So unfortunately, when we're talking about a lot of these groups, they are talking about them as villains when they do they do derive some benefit or at least some of the times they can be providing good to humans. But when Christians talk about it, it is more in association with the devil that elves have and they are demons. Yeah, and that's something that came up in my research. And I just like to say, I think it's so sad that Christianity came and not that it goes away, but they shaped it so much that it took a lot away of the folklore. How important were elves to these societies? Well, they found themselves becoming the names of people within these societies. So when you would have a child, you would name them as something regarding elves. And Old English, a lot of common names were Elfwine, or an elf friend, or Elfric, which is a powerful elf, which I do actually believe would be the root name for Eric. Elfric? Elfric, or Elfric. You really don't see that anymore, do you? Elfward was a common one, Elf Guardian, Elfweru, which is elf care. Oh. And even today, there are still common names that include this, such as Alfred which means advice of elves. <sighs> and you'll see them as well in English surnames, such as Elgar, which, do you remember this naming terminology, Chels? Elgar? Sounds familiar. Elf spear. Ah, yes. The surname Saint Elfage, which would mean tall elf. I like Elfric. Elfric or Elfric. And again, it's hard to say because it's that weird combination of A-E. Oh, one more thing I wanted to show you. To ward off elves in the Christian era from your livestock to protect them, they would use what's called an elf cross. And this is what an elf cross looks like right here. Oh, that's a pentagram. Yeah. Hmm. Coincidence? Also called an elf cross. Are they still used today? I don't know for sure. Hmm. But yeah, that covers kind of mainland Europe with regards to elven culture. I think Chelsea's going to take a little step 
just to the west for us now. Yeah, not far to the west. You covered a lot of terminology that came up. I'm, oh, I guess I should tell you where I'm stepping to. It is Iceland. In Iceland, they're called the Hildefolk, right? Yeah, Hildefolk. The hidden people. Another name for them is Elfer, which is elves. And they're taken very seriously in Iceland. It is said that the euphemism, 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 had trouble with that one. Heldefolk was created for the Elfer to avoid calling the Elfer by their real names because you don't want to call them by their real names. There is much debate if the Heldefolk and the Elfer are the same or two separate entities, just like Taylor was talking about with all the different kinds there are as well. So according to, I'm very sorry, Magnus, I'm going to say this wrong. Magnus Scarfionson, maybe that wasn't that bad. Master of the Icelandic elf school, there is one kind of Heldefolk and 13 kinds of elves on the island. He says that the hidden people are just the same size and look exactly like human beings. The only difference is that they are invisible to most of us. Elves, on the other hand, aren't entirely human. They're humanoid starting at around eight centimeters. With that being said, I've decided that I'm going to classify them as just one and the same when I'm going through this. The belief in the Heldefolk in Iceland is high. Many Icelanders have personal tales of encounters with elves. Now, with that being said, not everyone believes in elves. I believe it's around 54. 55, 54% of people believe in them. There's debate around that, but it is high. It's high enough. The Heldefolk and the Elfer people go pretty far back in Icelandic folklore, appearing in the Viking era poems dating back to around 1000 AD. Taylor did mention, what's his name? Nori. Nori, yeah. He was, I, I believe he's from Iceland. Yeah. He is talking about the Elfer in texts that he does as well. Then around the 11th century, the Christianization of Iceland came and made everything better as Christianity has a tendency to do. Just kidding. The Christianization of the elves links them to Adam and Eve. Eve hid her dirty, unwashed children from God and lied about their existence. God then declares what man hides from God, God will hide from man. So these children now became invisible to mankind and they lived in the rocks, the hills, the stones, and the hummocks. I don't know what that is. From these hidden children, the hidden people descend. And while mankind is descended from the children Eve showed God, men can never see elves unless they themselves wish it, for they can both see men and let themselves be seen by them. Other Christian folktales claim the hidden people originate from Lilith or are fallen angels condemned to live between heaven and hell. Just depends on where you're reading, what you're reading, and how you're interpreting it, I guess. There's a lot of folklore out there. Do you know the story behind Lilith? I don't. Okay, Lilith was actually the original partner to Adam, basically thrown out of Eden because she wanted to be treated as an equal to Adam. What? Yeah. So God got rid of her and then created a new spouse for Adam out of his ribs. Oh my God. Which I always found hilarious that they named Fraser's wife Lilith or ex-wife Lilith. And she's a strong woman. It's sexist. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly sick. Wow. That's incredible. That's infuriating. But let's move on about elves more. So what are these elves about? They are supernatural and live in nature. At the very core of it, they are protectors of nature, essentially 
especially when you see, and we'll see more examples, but I just want to give you one off the bat. At the very core, they're protectors of nature because they're nature spirits. But you see it with the trees in, was it the United Kingdom or Ireland? In Ireland, yeah. In Ireland. And England as well. Where they're putting up fences around them and we're protecting them because of these elves. So we're protecting nature because of the elves. So it kind of works both ways on that. And I like it. They live in a parallel world to us and can become invisible at will. And they look and behave similarly to humans other than being able to become invisible at will because we can't do that yet. Unless you have some sort of superpower we don't know about. Or close your eyes and just... Yeah. In, in theory. <laughs> if you can't of, see us, we can't yeah. see you. They have livestock, rowboats, pick berries, have priests and sheriffs and go to church, uh, so on, just as humans do. If you choose to go to church, maybe well, some mean, elves don't go to church. Yeah, but if God gave you like the power of invisibility when you want it, I would pray i would be happy with god i would go to church would you i don't but know how do you know that it's not just like you're just innately born with the power of invisibility exactly which, do you think which was supposed to be a to be punishment i guess but they can also use it as like a superpower <laughs> that would not be a punishment i don't know why he thinks that god of the old testament he is was, backwards god of the old testament makes some questionable calls he does he does. But, you know, all-knowing, so who am I to judge? But I, I'm just happy we live in the the days of the absentee god. Yeah. <laughs> where you don't really have to worry about his interaction with everything. He's finally let it go. Um, okay. As this far helicopter as... <laughs> parent god was just too yeah. much. <laughs> he was too much. He was way too much. And no wonder people had shitty attitudes about women. Thanks, God. Are we going to lose listeners for that? <laughs> As far as how elves look, they look like us. The hidden people are supposedly large in build, clothes in all gray, hair all black. For elves, they are typically donning the costume of a couple of hundred years ago. Very old-timey dressed, if you ever see uh, them. Have you I seen can't... one? Oh my god, is it? Black dark elves. I'm starting to think elves have more to do with things than we give them credit for. Well, and even on the I Wikipedia really, page, yeah. they, they make the direct correlation between elves and jinn. They, it, I can definitely tie it to jinn as well. Maybe, I don't know if I'd say elves or jinn, but I think there's just something out there that could probably go considered all one thing that's happening everywhere. But they what, just, where you go in different places, they get different names. What did George Knapp always call it? His grand unified theory of weird? Yeah, something like that. I like George Knapp. He's the good George. He is the good George. They also range in size from a few centimeters to three meters high, and the small ones are the most typical to encounter. Generally, they're harmless. Harmless. It's all these big Icelandic words that I'm trying to pronounce. It's just you mean like harmless? My English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could not be English. However, you do not want to bother them. You need to treat them with respect and do not upset their dwelling places, which we've seen in examples Taylor gave as well. The dwelling places referred to as far as Iceland, and I think he said other elves reside in elf rocks, which are rocks, boulders, or mounds, except for the ones that are in the trees. If you happen to disturb said dwelling rock, this can lead to mayhem since they're super territorial beings. 
Yeah. I uh, I saw an elf rock while I was in Iceland. It was a it's I, a big boulder in one of the parks there. And yes. I did, I did a ghost tour while I was there. And there not being that many ghosts in Iceland, they decided to show off some elf stuff. So we saw the big boulder in the middle of Reykjavik, which has elves living in it. Yes, of course it would. I touched it. I did not break it. I'm on good terms with the elves. Okay. Did were they okay with you touching it? Obviously. They didn't say okay. anything, so. Good. Okay. Were you nervous? A little bit. So in Iceland, there's uh, elf tours you can go on. And there's even a, oh, I set it up here. Icelandic elf school. You can take like a four-hour course or five-hour course if you ever visit Iceland. And they give you a certificate for learning so much about elves. There's also a penis museum in Reykjavik. That's nice. They don't have have any elves. elves. No, I just wanted to add that. Some guy don't... Tourism Iceland will sponsor us. Okay, sorry. Just to add a little plug to the penis museum, which <laughs> it, it has way more information about penises than you would ever need in one lifetime. <laughs> but one guy donated his to the museum and he's still alive. What? Yeah. And he has a contract with the museum and he gets it back on Christmas. Is he an elf? <laughs> no. Is he from Iceland? I don't know. I'd want to know more about that guy. Yeah. Uh, If you're ever in Reykjavik, I do. It's an interesting stop. Go, go to the people. Like what would they have offered him that he was like, I'll do it. I don't necessarily know if they offered it to him or he approached them. (laughs) I I do believe that it's more likely that he approached them. And was just like, I don't want it anymore. Possibly. Maybe he didn't need it anymore. And he's just looking at I don't want this anymore, but here are the terms. Yeah. Give it back to me on Christmas. And that's why I brought it up, because it has a tie-in to Christmas. (gasps) Christmas. There's the Christmas theme. Okay. So festive. That was planned. It is festive. Okay. (laughs) You got the Christmas penis back. Okay. miracle that was contract <laughs> okay um, anyhow what were we talking yeah about? we're talking about how you don't disturb the elf rocks with all of that being said and how you don't touch their dwellings or mess with them roads and developments have been halted or diverted in iceland in order to not upset an elfin presence so roads will be built around rocks elves can cause things to go wrong with the equipment Machines can break or stop working without explanation. Workers can get hurt. You can receive warning dreams. If if the houses or elf churches are attempted to be moved, all that can happen. I generally generally equipment malfunctions. If something breaks down while moving rocks in Iceland, people just stop working. They will not work on what they're doing anymore because it's bad omens. Yeah, because of the elves. People are terrified of the elves. In older stories, livestock and people will leave a drop dead, and you do not damage or move stones. I I didn't read that if you just touch them. I, I'm pretty sure you're fine. Well, that's a relief. There what is, is it? even seven yeah. years later. <laughs> yes, yeah, seven years later, you're fucked. There's even a press reply from the Road and Coastal Administration for inquiries about elves. It reads this is a quote. It cannot be denied that the belief in the supernatural is occasionally the reason for local concerns and these opinions are taken into account just as anybody else's would be. This is simply a case of good public relations. 
We value the heritage of our ancestors. And if oral tradition passed on from one generation to the other tells us that a certain location is cursed or that supernatural beings inhabit a certain rock, then this must be considered a cultural treasure. In the days when the struggle with the forces of nature was harsher than it is now, conservation came to the fore in this folklore, and copses and beautiful natural features were even spared. The reaction of the administration to these concerns has varied. Issues have been settled by delaying the construction project at a certain point whilst the elves living there have supposedly moved on. At other places, the people were in charge have seen no other solution than to continue the project against the wishes of certain individuals. There have been occasions when working arrangements have been changed slightly but a little extra expense. There is no denying that these stories of elves and cursed places have attracted the attention of the media. The administration's employees have answered questions on this matter and have not ducked the issue. End quote. In the late 70s, the agency heeded the advice about supernatural beings that resided in rocks beneath the Trolls Pass in northern Iceland and decided against detonating them. It calls the uneven road a testimony to its efforts to comply with local beliefs. No accidents have since occurred near the past. Some say elves have protected the drivers. It's good to make deals with elves, John's daughter said. I just need to explain something about Icelandic naming rules. Yes. Your last name is generally going to be your father's name plus your gender. Her name will be Jón's daughter because she is Jón's daughter. Jón's, okay. Yeah. So Daryl, basically, if he had a son, she, he would be Jonsen. But because it's a daughter, it's Jon's daughter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So yeah, you just always have to take a deal with an elf, I guess. But I guess if it's a bad elf, do you take a deal? Um, you might have to. Not necessarily, because you never can tell. If it's food, at least accept the food. If they're asking you questions, you're supposed to dodge directly answering them. There was a story that I saw on... You're supposed to kind of... Midsummer's Night, is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Midsummer's Night's Dream, play written by Shakespeare, has an elf in it. No, this is a celebration in June. Oh, it's a Midsummer Festival, okay. Midsummer, you go meet... I should have put it in here, I didn't, so this is all off the top of my head, and I hope it's right. You meet an elf at a crossroad and they supposedly offer you like money or like good food or something like that and if you take it then you're screwed like they're gonna do something bad to you but if you resist it then you're rewarded with something better okay that's different advice than what i just gave yeah so i guess no, you don't it, take it play it by ear because no, i i have it. read direct stories where oh. if you were su- refuse food from elves you're screwed you'll probably die within the year midsummer night i'm gonna read it to you i found it on midsummer night folklore states that if you sit at a crossroad elves will attempt to seduce you with food and gifts there are grave consequences for being seduced by their offers but great rewards for resisting so that one day of the year if you're sitting at a crossroad don't take it yeah otherwise if it is freely offered to you i think think the better offer is to take it than not june 24th don't, don't take it june 24th especially I, I if you're think, at a crossroad you know yeah i think we can expand it to if you're sitting at a crossroad <laughs> and are offered great fortune or feast don't take it which All actually things, take it 
That actually kind of reminds me of kind of like the old blues musicians who would meet the devil at like the railroad track crossing and yeah. sell their souls. Did we talk about that? I no. heard that one too. There was the blues musician that sold his soul to the devil to be the best guitar yeah. player. Yeah. And, and that's he met, what happened. He met, the he met them at a crossroads. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're learning so many things about elves. And they're just their continuation into other folklore. Yeah. This one was devil with the guitar player. Who was that robert johnson yep that's it crossroad blues is actually a song yes yeah it was the crossroads he met at okay with that being said and i think this should come up on i'm making notes for a future episode with this i really like how closely these elves in Iceland, probably otherwhere, are so closely tied to rocks and boulders. If you've ever, we've referenced Missing 411 a lot. David Pilates, he has about missing people who go missing under mysterious circumstances. And a lot of times there's a lot of ties in with boulder fields and rocks. First, obviously, choose the dwellings or rocks and mounds for the elves. Icelandic folk tales caution against throwing stones in fear that it might hit the hidden persons. And there are also stories of lost children sheltered by elves and given rocks as gifts. Just a lot of, it's very rock heavy, just more of a, just more of something I'd like to point out. Yeah, I didn't ahead, really tie, like look into any stories further than that, but. There's one thing I forgot to kind of mention in my stories as well, but one thing that's tied to elves a lot is the distortion of time, where an interaction with elves either slows the passage of time or greatly increases the passage of time, where in a journey to their homeland that you felt was an overnight stay turns out to be years or centuries. Do they come back? Yes, they come back. And that's how they know that years or centuries have passed. That is thought provoking. I do have a fair, it's 11 years ago. I keep forgetting how long ago 2010 was. I have a story in the kind of recent history from the Atlantic. Arnie Jonson, a, would that be son of John? Son of Yo. Yo Jonson, a former member of the Icelandic parliament, flipped his SUV on an icy road in southwest Iceland, careened off a small cliff and survived without any major injuries. Later, he credited a group of elves living in a boulder near the wreck with saving his life. When a road was slating for construction over the rock, he insisted the road makers save it. He then called in Jón's daughter to determine whether his suspicions about the elves were correct. According to an Icelandic review article at the time, she found three generations of elves living inside it and in a meeting with the creatures inquired about whether they wanted to be moved away to a safer location near Jónsson's home. The elves thought about it and talked talked about it a whole lot she told the atlantic they said if you can promise that you put our home on grass because we want to have sheep and this side of the rock has to face the view over the ocean and the small island the 30 ton boulder was transported and now the elves live happily in a field with sheep and horses near his home according to yon's daughter anyhow this brings us to christmas and its special connection to elves in iceland christmas starts december 24th for 13 nights ending on january 6th there are many tales of elves invading farmhouses 
houses during Christmas and holding parties. It is customary to make sure the house is clean and leave food for elves on Christmas Eve so they can feast and dance while the humans go to church. Then on New Year's Eve, it is believed by some that elves relocate to new homes so the humans light candles to help them find their way. That's my part. Those are at the very end I got to Christmas and elves. One more thing I did want to talk about with regards to Icelandic elves. There are people who consider themselves mediums or psychics who can see and communicate with the elves. So when they run into these situations where this needs to be dealt with, there is a group of people who they actually go to get communicate with them who say that they can fully do it. It's basically like a medium in North America if you want to contact a loved one. Yeah, I could see it. But yeah, I've always loved the idea of the Icelandic elves and how they're the unwashed babes of Eve. Yeah. They're dirty. Some also call them the offspring of Cain, which is the market. There's of a Cain. lot, There's actually, a lot of folklore. Yeah. And yeah, I do agree. It is kind of sad that it got the Christianization, but at the same the time, Christians it does came in and they changed. Like right now, we could be like gearing up to like slaughter some animals to sacrifice for Yule. Yeah. But no. And instead... be worrying about the Nisa and making sure it has its oatmeal with butter on top so that it's protecting our flock. Yeah. But no. <laughs> no. Now we're, well, I don't even have a Christmas tree up right now. So now I'm doing nothing. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's those damn Christians. Yeah. I'm protesting this year. I I'm guess. sorry. Please listen to our podcast. Anywho, <laughs> there is one more uh, area I did want to talk about before we end this episode, and that is the northernmost parts of Canada and a lot of the research in this area is hard to come by. There is an excellent YouTuber and author by the name of Hemerson Peters. I highly recommend going and watching some of his videos because he focuses on North American myth and lore of old from the indigenous groups. With That's that very said, cool. That is very uh, delightful. He specifically has a video on the elves of the North Pole. I highly recommend you go watch it. I did just want to take a few select things and briefly talk about it to show you that this is not just a North American theme and that there is other groups who also have very similar ideas. So like we talked about, Leif Erikson, who we just talked about a little bit at the beginning of the Iceland part, was the son of Eric the Red, who is the one who set up Viking villages on the island of Greenland. Leif Erikson also then went on to, as a lot of people believe, or sorry, as many historians believe, found a location for Vikings to go to on the island of Vinland, which turns out to be North America. But on his return to Norway, Leif Erikson told tales of skirmishes, what she called the Skraling, or pygmies, in both Greenland and Vinland, which some take to mean mythical dwarves inhabiting the North Pole. Mercator, a very famous cartographer of his day, actually included a map on his map in 1569 of the world, an island near the North Pole specifically inhabited by pig of humans under four feet in height who were warring peoples. Mm. In the 17th century, a man by the name of Luke Fox was looking for the fabled Northwest Passage. And in 1631, he stumbled across Southampton Island near the top of Hudson Bay. On it, he discovered four foot tall corpses and skeletons surrounded by weapons and set in stone coffins and wood coffins. He called it a sepulcher, which is basically a uh, burial ground made of stone. The Diné Indians in the Northwest 
territories believe the Mackenzie Mountain Range along the Yukon Northwest Territories border is inhabited by mystical dwarfs, supposedly four feet high. Sometimes they would capture their women and take them as wives. And they were also tricksters and magical in nature. Likewise, the Cree tribe in Ontario have similar creatures that they're scared of that inhabit the riverbanks in their region. And some prospectors and trappers have provided stories of pygmies in the Mackenzie Mountains as well. And to this day, there are still sightings of dwarf-like creatures in the territories of Canada. If any of that's intriguing to you, I didn't want to steal it or spoil it. Go watch Hemerson Peters' video. He does some fantastic work. He probably doesn't need me plugging it because he has far more viewers than us, but still nonetheless let's go watch oh and one last thing i did want to add this to the icelandic thing a bunch of things i keep forgetting but elves are apparently responsible for pregnancies as well in iceland which you could come home from hard weeks of labor in the fields to your wife pregnant from elves which icelandics explained to me as an easier way to explain away infidelity back in the day much easier but yeah that is our festive episode on elves not just the toy makers the mary and ire makers i wonder where toy making came from because i do think that comes from the devangar which were very handy craftsmen back in the day oh there was something to do with odin too having people and they that were the made- Vanguard that worked for him. He, they for built. Him. Yeah. They built up. Uh, God, there's too many Scandinavian words. The Thor's hammer, the yeah. spear. Uh, they crafted hair for Freya, I believe, at one point. There's a ship that you could pack up into your pocket. They made a lot of fun things. But I think this is just an introduction to elves and their ilk. We will touch on these creatures once again in the future. Because I do think this is an area that we both wish to explore. As yeah. it does fit in in both our minds to a lot of what we see with modern day sightings of different things. Yeah, Chelsea, any final thoughts? No, I think... I think I have never really looked like I know of elves, but I didn't know basically anything that was said in this episode about elves. And there's some really creepy things that are associated with them that are just like straight paranormal in nature. Yeah. And I think we made a few connections that we didn't see before to uh, no. some odd things. Yeah, some, there's some pretty cool things that came up. So I'm excited to do another episode about it. We are Journey to the Fringe. We talk about fringe topics, but every now and then we give you some good hearty advice that you can take with you in your daily journeys most of which is take goods from the elves unless you're at a crossroad or on the midsummer festival june 24th yes and with that i have been taylor i have been chelsea here drinking my delicious eggnog oh i am drinking a beer that is beer i'm not drinking anything but i just wanted to say something christmasy Sitting in front of the Yule log, gazing into the abyss that is Christmas cheer. Thank you for joining us in the mythos and pantheon that is Christmas lore. We will see you next week. And there are only eight more sleeps till Christmas. Take care, everybody. Bye.